Good morning, Sun Valley Church, and welcome back to The Voice of the Valley. I am your host, Jeremy Pinch, and today I'm speaking to you from the Gaylord Opryland Resort in Nashville, Tennessee. Myself and Nick Rogers are here attending the Sing 2019 conference hosted by Keith and Kristen Getty, and uh, we have been incredibly blessed by our time here. And I am speaking to you guys from our hotel room, and across the table from me, we have a uh, we have a special guest. Uh, he's a speaker at this conference, as well as a worship leader and musician. We know him well at our church because we sing a lot of his songs or songs that he has uh, co-written. Um, he is the director of Sovereign Grace Music. Uh, he oversees the music projects and teaching on congregational worship. He blogs at worshipmatters.com. He hosts a biannual Worship God conference. He and his wife, Julie, have six kids, and I was just told that he has 19 grandchildren. Just had our 19th yeah. six weeks ago. I am, of course, talking to the one and only <laughs> <laughs> Bob Coughlin. Bob, thank you so much for joining us Oh, here. my joy, Jeremy. Yeah. Um, Bob, I'm going to start off with a question for you that's not on this list. Great. Um, now, you do a lot of conferences. You do, uh, of course, you're doing this conference. You do uh, the T4G yep. conference, and you do Shepherd's Conference and your own conference. And um, Is there one story where you were playing and you just forgot what you were doing? Because this happens to me several times throughout throughout worship. I'm, I'm leading a song, and I just go... I don't know the next chord. I've played this song a hundred times. I don't know yeah. the next chord. Yeah. Has there ever been a moment where you're just like, oh man, I don't know where I'm at or what I'm doing? Well, two things come immediately to mind. One was a, a conference in South Africa where I was leading the hymn, And Can It Be? Okay. And can it be that I should gain? Well, years ago, like decades ago, I was in a Christian group called Glad, and we did a okay. version of that song, which I rewrote the music for, and it starts out... And can it be that I should gain okay. an interest in... Well, you might have suspected that when I let out that song, that's the melody I started with. Okay. And I'm looking out at people going, why, why aren't they singing? <laughs> and then it hits me. I'm singing a melody that's like 30 years old that no one's ever heard. <laughs> so that was a little awkward. And then at the Shepherds Conference, uh, we were leading... This was a couple years ago. Uh, I was leading... The, the the music for for one session and um, they were introducing the hymns of Grace Hymnal. Okay. And so at the beginning of each song, you were supposed to uh, give people the hymn number. Okay. Well, in forty five years of leading, I've never done. That. <laughs> okay. So, I was at this conference. Okay. okay so I was that, like, yeah. it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. So <laughs> three times I think it happened. You know, I'm 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 about like you finish a song, you. you play the piano and, and lead into the next song yeah. seamlessly yeah. and then you know start singing and so I think three times I started the song and just had to interrupt or maybe as I was getting to it yeah. right before we started <laughs> but one time I think all I have is Christ I started it and no one's singing anything. oh yeah this is him 357 if you turn there and it was a little I mean it was fun yeah. I think people said okay he's real yeah definitely yeah. real yeah. Uh, but yeah, yes. it has it, happened to It happens Jeremy. to everybody. It happens to <laughs> everybody. <laughs> and I could share a lot more stories. Yeah. Um, and another question. You just finished a music project with Shiloh Baptist yes. in Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah with H.B. Uh, Charles's church there. Yes. Um, 
can you tell us a little bit about that and and where we can get a copy of uh, that CD? Sure. Uh, well, you can get a copy anywhere, anywhere that um, any yeah. digital yep. platform, Spotify, down uh, iTunes or wherever. Uh, and I hope stores yeah. um, <laughs> you can download from Bandcamp. If you go to our website, sovereigngracemusic.org, if you're really wondering about that, um, we you just look for the album. It'll tell you all these different places you can get it. Okay. Ten years ago, I told our pastors in Sovereign Grace churches that we were going to be releasing a gospel project that fall. We didn't. <laughs> uh, it's taken me 10 years, taken us 10 years to get to the place uh, where it was really the product of a lot of prayer um, and just wanting to somehow step outside our comfort zone. I mean, Sovereign Grace Music would be, I think, known for theologically driven songs mm -hmm. uh, that, that are, for the most part, easy to sing, you know, accessible. Um, it wouldn't be known for its soul. Mm -hmm. It wouldn't be known for, uh, yeah, a, a cultural diversity. So we've thought about that for a long time and uh, really wanted to, to produce something by ourselves 10 years ago, and then I realized that's not happening. Mm -hmm. So my son, actually, Devin, uh, was talking to me one day. He said, we have a relationship with HB through various conferences, and he's been into, he's spoken at our Sovereign Grace Pastors, Col uh, Pastors Conference. And Devin said, what, what about doing an album with Shiloh? Hmm. And uh, as soon as I heard him say that, I thought, that's a great idea. Yeah. So we emailed them, talked about it. We're planning on doing it, actually recording it last summer. And as things would happen, it just, there's no way we we're going to do it. Yeah. So we changed the date and we recorded it in February, I think last day of February this year, 2019. And we combined, you know, some more well-known Sovereign Grace songs with some of the songs that they had written. Joe Pace has led the choir there. Um, and so one of his songs and then one of uh, another song that a guy there had written. And then we wrote four together. Okay. So it was really intermingling, you know, the two different cultures, and uh, we were just very pleased with the results. Yeah. The, the biggest part of it for me was just getting to know these guys, and and uh, you know, recognizing that though we come from different backgrounds, different experiences, different cultures, we value the the gospel, we value the local church, we value the word of God, um, and we value all those things as we sing. Right. So that's what came together. Okay. And, you know, we were affected. They were affected. Uh, it's, the, the album really has two audiences. Yeah. You know, I'd say primarily the white church and then the black church, although it's not strictly a color thing. Yeah. Um, but broadly speaking, just saying to each culture, hey, you know what? We can, we can come together and sing these songs yeah. and, and glorify Jesus together. We're not yeah. going to let music se separate yeah. us. Yeah. Yeah, I remember the first time I listened to Behold Our God on that album. I was like, that's not Behold Our God. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was awesome. It's such a yes. unique experience and I'm sure it was a unique experience oh my. for you guys. Oh my. We just had a blast. Yeah, it yeah. was really fun. Yeah, it really sounds like you guys did. And we so. hope to do another one. Yeah. Okay, so uh, you've written a couple books, and uh, you have some knowledge on the subject of worship. And I want to ask you a few things well, on that. Well, at least that. the first two things are true. <laughs> yeah. um, this week's conference is about singing about the life of, life of Christ. Mm. Um, can you take a few moments of what that means? Does that just mean Christmas? Does that just mean Easter? What, is, mm. what does it mean to sing the life of Christ? 
I think most people would would say exactly what you said. Well, it's like Christmas, his birth, incarnation, and Easter. You know, death, resurrection. And those would certainly be the high points of, of you know, the story of Jesus, the life of Jesus. But those are significant. Well, let me say two things. I don't think, and Keith doesn't either, the Gettys were put on this conference, that we really get those things as well as we should. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Christmas becomes not just not the glory of the incarnation necessarily but you know all the things that are that are tied to christmas the, the tradition the carols the the festivities the family you know all those things when really the most amazing thing about christmas is is that the son of god took on human flesh yeah. Yeah. it's it's just inconceivable yeah. so this conference you know, through some of the messages that have been given already uh, they're seeking to help us unpack that. Mm-hmm. And as well as some of the new songs that are being introduced. Uh, same thing with the cross, which we you know, would focus on a lot. It can be sung in such a way that we don't quite grasp the full meaning that God the Son lived a perfect life of obedience. And here's where we get into the life. Mm-hmm. He never gave into temptation, never disobeyed his Father, so that he could bear our sins on the cross as our substitute. To recognize that, to feel the impact of that changes you. And then to realize that God the Father raised him from the dead and that now he's living and interceding for us and that it's our privilege and joy to tell the world the good news that the Savior has come and that anyone who returns from their sin and believes in him can have eternal life, all their sins forgiven, be adopted into the family of God. It's like, oh, this is so exciting. <laughs> but unless you realize the, the significance of Jesus and who he is and what he's done and what he said, that just that just goes over your head and you, and you start making it all about you know the music and the, sure. the technology and the lights and so so that's kind of what the conference is seeking to do increase raise our awareness understanding of and appreciation for who Jesus is and what he's done yeah yeah what he's done right he's done he's done a lot for us he has cross. well yeah. our life is Christ now yeah. so yeah. yeah he sees everything yeah yeah so in your book you you uh make an emphatic point about, you know, the cross and the key role it plays for the Christian, right? Mm. And not only Christianity, but for the world, the cross yes. plays a, yes. a vital part for the world. And so, um, but in one particular section of the book, you talk about how heaven's worship is centered around the cross. Mm. And you quote Jim Eliff, yeah. I think is his name, uh, who says, heaven doesn't get over the cross as if there's better things to think about. Yeah. Um, heaven is not only Christ-centered, but it's cross-centered and quite blaring about it, which mm, is mm. so awesome. Yeah. It yeah. doesn't get over the cross. Uh, so how should this transform the way that we view Sunday morning worship, uh, but also times of personal worship? Mm. That is a great question and one I love talking about. First, just to establish biblically what you said earlier, what Jim Elliff said. Uh, you know, in Romans 4, where John is, is op- a scene opens up in heaven, doors open, and he sees God on the throne. And, you know, he's being worshipped, the, the angels, the four living creatures, day and night are saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and who is and is to come. And then verse 11, worthy are you, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. 
So Revelation 4 gives us this picture of God being worthy of praise because he's the creator. And then in Revelation 5, the lamb is added to the picture. Mm-hmm. It's not like the focus shifts. He, he maybe even, you could say he just looks more carefully mm-hmm. and he sees the lamb. You know, he's told the lion of Judah has conquered. He looks and sees a lamb. Mm-hmm. Well, the lamb is the sacrifice. And when no one was found to open the scroll, but the lion of Judah, well, the, the angels go on to say in verse nine of chapter five, they sang a new song saying, worthy are you to take the scroll and to open its seals for you were slain. That's what it means not to get over the cross. Mm-hmm. And by your blood, you ransomed people for God from every tribe and language and people nation. And so then it goes on. The next song is in verse 12, worthy is the lamb who was slain. And then in verse 13, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb. So that's, that's what it means when heaven never gets over the cross. Yeah. I mean, it's not like talking about two pieces of wood. It's talking about what happened at the right. cross and who was on the cross. Right. It's the lamb who was slain, the lamb of God. So what does that mean for our times of corporate worship and our times of personal worship? First, it makes everything we do dependent on and centering around or, or um, uh, not centering around but yeah yeah maybe yeah um, can't think of the exact phrase right now dependent on and focused on the work of Christ mm-hmm. on the cross mm-hmm. now when we talk about the gospel or the work of Christ it, it involves his pre-existent state incarnation his life perfect life of obedience the cross, the resurrection, the ascension, his present reign and intercession, and his return. Yeah. All that's involved in the gospel. Yeah. But the very heart of the gospel is the fact that he loved us and gave himself for us. Yeah. Like if that did not happen, yeah. well, it'd be totally different. Our worship would be totally different. We would, we would have no access to God. Yeah. We wouldn't even be able to get in, like the Holy of Holies. We just we wouldn't be able to get in. We'd be consumed. Yeah. Well, Jesus was consumed for us. So that gives us hope and it gives us faith as we come together, as we even approach God in our own times with him, uh, to say, okay, we can get in. Mm-hmm. We, we, can, we are welcomed yeah. because of what Jesus did on the cross. Uh, it also provides our means of acceptance. So we could get in and God could say, you know, sit over there in the corner. And, you know, you speak when I speak to you. Yeah. He doesn't do that. Yeah. Because of Jesus, we, we're, we're brought in. Yeah. Like, we, we are welcomed yeah. as sons and daughters. We're welcomed into his presence. So that brings a real security and, and peace and joy. It brings a, uh, you know, a confidence. I mean, Hebrews 10, verse 19, the writer of Hebrews has been talking about how... Um, the sacrifices that were offered in the Old Testament before Christ were insufficient to really cleanse the conscience of the worshiper, and, and they had to keep offering them. But then he talks about how the sacrifice of Jesus, it's, it's final. It's, it's once and for all. It, there's no repetition of that. And he says in verse 19, chapter 10, Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, referring to the 
the holy of holies, the curtain between the holy, the holy place and the holy of holies. Um, that is through his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near mm-hmm. with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our faith without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Yeah. It's just glorious. Yeah. So, so there's no need to sense this, oh, I'm unworthy, I... I, you know, I shouldn't be here. No, what Jesus has done gives us absolute security and joy and peace as we sing to him, as we pray to him, all because of what Jesus has done. Yeah. And then finally, it, it's our means of understanding reality. Um, we don't come to God on the basis of our earnings mm-hmm. or our deservings or our promises or our efforts. We come to God on the basis of what Jesus has done and what Jesus has done alone. Uh, There's a man named Harold Bester wrote a book called Music Through the Eyes of Faith, and he has this quote that I've referred to many times since I read it, this book 20 years ago. He said, all our offerings of worship are at once both humbled and exalted by the strong saving work Mm -hmm. of Christ. They're humbled because apart from Jesus, we we don't talk to God. We don't worship him. We don't do anything. Mm-hmm. Apart from Jesus, we're just consumed. We're just condemned. We're under his judgment. And they're exalted. Our offerings of worship are exalted because because of Jesus, God receives our crummy offerings of worship, <laughs> sin-stained <laughs> offerings of yeah. worship, as though yeah. Jesus himself yeah. were offering them. So that that gives us, fills us with gratefulness yeah. that, God, you've... You've made it possible for me to come near you. So, you know, how is the, the cross central to our, our worship of God? It's everything. Mm-hmm. It's, uh, I mean, he's the focus of our worship. He's the, he's the means of our worship. He's the aim of our worship. He's the initiator of our worship. I mean, he's the author and finisher of our of faith. So for people to go through a time of, you know, corporate worship and not give much thought to what Jesus did on the cross, that's not Christian worship. Mm-hmm. That's like pagan worship. Yeah. That you know anybody can do that. Yeah. Anybody can say, "Hey, well, I'm going to sing some songs, and you know, God has to accept me." Yeah. No, He doesn't. Yeah. In fact, He can't yeah. because He's holy. Yeah. But Jesus, the Holy One, was crushed by the Father for our sins, so that we could come to Him freely yeah. and boldly. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think it's. I mean, I've been looking at this for decades, and it just gets more amazing. Yeah. Jesus doesn't become boring. What He did on the cross doesn't become unsatisfying it just becomes more glorious yeah 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 when you when you mentioned that the cross gives us acceptance uh, my mind went to john 21 where mary meets christ after he's risen from mm. the grave mm. he says mary don't cling to me but go tell my brothers mm. that yeah. i'm going to yeah. my yeah. father and your father yes yes to my god and your god and so those words there are just like there's, there's that except he, he's looking at us as brothers, yeah, which is an amazing thing because of what he accomplished on the cross. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, if he did not go through that, yeah. that would not be that would not be true. Yeah, so it's it's pretty incredible. <laughs> yeah, so good. And we could we could just land here for like a couple hours. Yeah, seriously. But I know you have seriously. other questions. <laughs> yeah. Um, so God's word ought to play a vital role. Actually, can I say one more thing? Sure, go ahead. I just sorry. Um, the, I think one of the crucial reasons that Jesus' work on the cross 
what he accomplished there has to remain central is that our tendency is to drift back into the law. Hmm. It's to yeah. drift back into legalism and yeah. to say that somehow we can earn God's acceptance. Yeah. Uh, so, so we, you know, sing more songs. We sing louder. We, you know, sing it like you mean it. We, uh, you know, add more technology. We think, oh, that, yeah, this will get us in, and it, it doesn't. It never can. Or that we think that we deserve it. Yeah. You know, that we can just casually come in, and of course, God would accept us because, you know, that's he. That's his job to, you know, forgive us and to welcome. And mm-hmm. you know, God becomes our big buddy in the sky. The cross lays all that yeah. bare. It, it just says, it exposes it and says, no, there's no way you can do that. Yeah. So I would encourage anyone who's listening and finds this whole concept, uh, you know, kind of a little foreign, to read books like um, The Gospel for Real Life, Jerry Bridges, um, Living the Cross-Centered Life by my dear friend C.J. Mahaney. Um, the, the, if you want to really get into it, The Cross of Christ by John Stott. Um, or the Gospel Primer by Milton Vincent. It's a little short book which helps us understand how what Jesus did on the cross relates to everything in our life. Mm. So. so God's Word ought to play a vital role in, in what we sing and think about. And uh, you say in your book, again, you say that a consistent diet of shallow, subjective worship songs tends to produce shallow and subjective Christians, could you unpack that a little bit? Yep. And especially in light of, you know, what we just talked about regarding. Yes. That. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, I, I think I start by saying we don't always think about what we're singing, mm-hmm. um, for various reasons. One, we just may not care about what we're singing. Um, we might be distracted. We might be more moved by music than we are by Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, we might be tired of singing certain songs. I mean, there are just different reasons why we don't think about what we're singing. Mm-hmm. But we are told in Colossians 3.16, God tells us through Paul, we are to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. If something's going to dwell in us richly as we're singing, so if that something is like shallow words, if it's vague words, if it's unclear words, um, if it's all about our subjective responses, well, that's what's going to fill us. Mm -hmm. And we're not going to be so impressed with Jesus as as we are with those other things. So that's what we're going to start to think our relationship with God is, uh, consists of. Mm-hmm. You know, he's kind of vague. He's kind of, you know, God, he's good, he's gracious, whatever that means. He's, he's there. But it's really, what's really important is how I feel about him. Mm-hmm. I love him. I'm going to give my all for him. I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm whatever. Right. Uh, so if, if someone leads songs regularly where the words aren't that compelling... That's going to shape people's views of God. Mm-hmm. It's going to shape their understanding of how to relate to Him, and and probably most importantly, it's it's going to give them a deficient view of God, so they won't want to live for Him. When when you fill your songs with biblical, Christ exalting theology, 
And also with a response to that, you know, it's not just packing in dense theology. It, there's time for responsiveness, just like the Psalms. They give us both. People are going to understand, oh, this is, this is a transaction. Something happened. God did something, and, and it requires a response from me that, is, that he enables, that he actually enables. So you take a song like um, you know, In Christ Alone, where it walks through in verse 2, and on the cross as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. Mm -hmm. That's truth. That's objective truth. Then it gets to verse 4, and he starts out, no guilt in life, mm -hmm. no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. Mm -hmm. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. That's the fruit. Mm -hmm. So, And we sing that boldly, confidently. We don't start there because it's not true apart from what Jesus did. Apart from sure. the wrath of God being satisfied, those things yeah. are true. You should have guilt in life. Yeah. You do. You should have fear in death because you aren't covered. Mm -hmm. You aren't forgiven. So singing songs with rich theology over time and with good leadership will produce Christians, mm -hmm. tend to produce Christians who think about theology deeply. It enables the word of Christ or the gospel to dwell in them richly. So, I mean, I've seen the effect. We, we, there's a kind of mainstream worship culture where the song, some of the songs are good, some of them are not so good. You know, all of them are really accessible and fun to sing. Mm -hmm. Those are good qualities, but those are not what God speaks to in Colossians 3.16. Mm -hmm. In fact, the, that verse speaks of variety. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, the different kinds of songs we can use. The end goal of whatever kind of song you use is that the word of Christ dwell in people richly. So that's that's kind of what I mean. Yeah. Yeah, well thank you. That's that's helpful for me being a worship leader to think through that as Yeah, every word matters, every line matters. Yeah. You don't want to be throwing out a song that, yeah, this is okay. I think I know what this yeah. means. But no, because yeah. that's training your people yep. to think, well, it's not the words aren't that important, but man, the music, that is crucial. Yeah. yeah. We don't want people to think that. Yeah. Well, as we conclude our uh, podcast together, I was just wondering if you could um, leave us with three reasons uh, why why worship is important you know you've you've written a book on it you have a blog just about it just read my book yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> plenty <laughs> of reasons in there <laughs> read the book. no um, that's not true but but why why is worship so important and sp specifically when we're talking about worship we're talking about singing and congregational it, singing. It, that's a very narrow uh definition but that's yep. that's the way we're talking yep. about i think first uh, you know, broadening it out for a second, everyone's already a worshiper. Hmm. We all are looking for things to pursue and to be satisfied in and to control us. Mm -hmm. That that's whatever that is. That thing that I just described. That's that's what you worship. So, um, you know, worship doesn't begin. It gets directed. It mm -hmm. goes somewhere. So, we need to think about that. And, and recognize that the only one who's really worthy of universal, unending, unrestrained worship is God himself. Mm. As he revealed himself to us. So singing is one expression of that. Singing, you know, musical worship, worship and song. It's one expression of that. And it's meant to cultivate, it's meant to redirect our worship. 
So we, we go through our week and we get distracted by things. We, you know, we live out our desires. Everybody does what they want to do. Mm-hmm. Everybody pursues what makes them happiest. Everybody. So when we come together as the church, that, that's an opportunity for all that to get redirected, mm-hmm. refocused on the right things. Mm-hmm. You know, the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's one reason I think it's, it's so important that we think about this. Second, um, our, and this is maybe more a, a, a clarification or a guidance for how we think about worship and song, it needs to be governed by God's word mm-hmm. and not by our personal opinions or preferences. And, you know, it, it's so easy. It's so easy to turn our subjective opinions into uh, moralistic requirements and say, or even God's commands. You know, they become authoritative as scripture. I, I was just um, interacting with someone on Twitter recently who was telling me that, you know, the organ is the ideal way to accompany congregational singing. Well, I don't think so. <laughs> I mean, I appreciate organs and can hear uh, someone accompanying a church on an organ, think that they're doing that really well, but it can be done badly too. Mm-hmm. It can be done badly or well on just about any instrument. Because mm-hmm. uh, the point is you want to hear the congregation sing, not the instrument. Mm-hmm. And what should sustain the singing of a church is the clearly revealed word of God in the gospel and their passionate response to that. Mm. That's what should sustain their singing, mm-hmm. not the instrument. If your electric guitar is sustaining the singing, you're, you got problems. Uh, so, yeah. so as the only true object of worship, the only rightful object of worship, God has the right to tell us how to do that. Mm-hmm. So too often we, we talk about you know, what's happening in the meeting in terms of the music, in terms of our preferences. And what we need to do is go to his word, God's word, and say, well... What does God tell us? So God tells us it needs to be in Christ. God tells us it needs to be with our whole being. God tells us it needs to be with, you know, a variety of, of musical ideas. God tells us it can be done, or musical forms. God tells us it can be done in a variety of ways. Mm-hmm. You know, free, planned, spontaneous, planned, um, individually, corporately, uh, uh, you know, simple, complex. It's, it's all those things. So we want to take our cues from God's Word. Mm-hmm. And then thirdly, I think... The, it's important to recognize that worship is our life and not just our singing. Mm-hmm. So whatever we do with our singing is meant to, on the one hand, encourage a life that's lived for the glory of God and Christ. And two, it should flow out of a life that's lived for the glory of God and Christ. It's interesting that you know, Colossians 3.16 talks about singing specifically, but then he goes on to say, uh, therefore, whatever you do, in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So he's saying, don't just sing. You know, just Don't let the word of Christ dwell in you richly just when you sing. That's like your life. Mm-hmm. They're supposed to be connected. So uh, you know, singing isn't everything about the Christian life, but, it, but it's an opportunity. You know, worship and song is an opportunity to deepen and cultivate affections for God. It's an opportunity to grow in our knowledge of God. Mm-hmm. It's not just an opportunity for me to tell God how I feel, mm-hmm. which is how a lot of people view it. You know, they view worship 
in song as the time when you know, we, we get emotional and express, you know, mm -hmm. our thoughts to God. And then the, the teaching is the time when, you know, mentally we get engaged and, yeah. you know. Well, no, they're, they're both similar in that both are seeking to inflame our passions mm -hmm. through the revealed word of God in Christ. They just do it different ways. Yeah. You know, music, obviously, incorporates music. Uh, preaching incorporates more of the, the specific expounding of, of the word of God. So if I was to place a higher value on one, I'd say preaching. Mm -hmm. But God didn't give us just preaching. Mm -hmm. He gave us singing as well. Yeah. So I think in the healthiest churches, they're both seen as valuable, they're seen as complementary, and we're very aware as we do both that it's all about uh, beholding the glory of the Lord and being transformed into his image from one degree of glory to the next. You know, as, as you were just talking there, I was thinking of that Colossians 3.16 passage that singing is actually used to encourage one another yes and equip each other yes teach and admonish one another yeah so that's right and thinking of the psalms that, that that singing is actually something that is used to not only glorify god but to push people forward in, absolutely in yeah that's a, there's a vertical aspect and there's a horizontal aspect yeah. and that's why we come together to sing yeah. and don't just you know all sit at home going through our you know, Spotify playlist. Yeah. And, you know, it just, yeah, hey, I, I got I got what I needed. No, yeah. you didn't. You couldn't look around and see people singing. Yeah. You couldn't be fed by them and hear their voices. And yeah. you know, I've had so many times when someone has said, that's what encouraged me. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. One of the, just to uh, compliment you and say thank you to you, one of the biggest things that I took away from the Shepherds Conference a few years ago was what congregational singing does oh you know there's what did you see just just it was everything was stripped away and mm. it was just you on the piano mm. and you have three thousand pastors singing together mm. and lifting yeah, up their voices and they sing yeah. and you know most sundays i'm on stage and you know I, I have all the band behind me and i'm not hearing anything but it was after that conference mm. i was like I need to hear the people's voices. Oh, great. <laughs> yes, you do. That was, that was, yeah, that's great. I, I can't remember many of the speakers from that conference, but one thing I did take away was, mm. was that from that conference. So thank you for that. Well, you're welcome. Um, I'm sorry I didn't remember the speakers because I'm sure they were great. But, <laughs> but that's a good takeaway. Yeah, yeah. And people who use, uh, you know, in ear monitors mm -hmm. to, to lead and have both of them in sh better make sure that they have, you know, an ambient mic, mm -hmm. a, a mic that's pointed out to the congregation that they can include in their mix so that they are hearing the congregation. That's really important. Or if they can't have that, then take one ear out, yeah. one, one monitor out. Yeah. Well, Bob, thank you so much you're for, so for taking the time and, and doing this interview with us. My we, pleasure. We Thanks for what you're doing to encourage your church. Um, church, if you want to uh, know more about what Bob is doing um, through Sovereign Grace Music, um, you can go to SovereignGraceMusic.com. I think dot org. Dot yeah. org. Okay. We could buy that domain though for fifty thousand dollars. Oh yeah. yeah. I get emails every so often. This domain has changed price. Like, yeah, I think we'll wait. Yeah. Org is fine. Yeah. So org dot org. <laughs> Um, SovereignGraceMusic.org. Um, you can go to WorshipMatters.org to follow dot him. Com, sorry. Dot com. Sorry. On his on his uh, his blog there. Yeah. Um, and you can find all of Sovereign Grace's music on Spotify, yeah, yeah, yeah. Apple, um, and yep. Amazon Music. So it's all there. 
Um, so make sure you check them out if you haven't haven't listened to them. But thank you again so much for joining us. And being My joy. Us. Church, we love you. We look forward to being with you on Sunday and next week on The Voice of the Valley. Have a great day.